Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Jeff Fisher. There's a little bit of overlap between last week's episode and this one, so uh, forgive us that, but to tell the story well, we needed the overlap. He was actually the youngest pastor we ever sent out to launch a Hope Chapel at age 20. Uh, He's in his early 60s, and now he's launching another church full of 20-year-olds. He's reaching Gen Z, a bunch of college students in a college town. Uh, Really exciting to have him on the podcast. Hope you enjoy. So we have that going. We've been also uniting. um, uh, We have several people who are doing uh, their own ministries uh, and aren't connected to the churches. Maybe a lot of them are duns. A lot of them are house church leaders. And I was struggling with that too, because I have a heart to unite pastors. That was one of the better things that God helped me with in LA was to unite pastors. And that became a real lifeline for all of us, just a place where we could pray together, care for each other, et cetera. And so I have this weird heart to unite churches interdenominationally. We've been in contact with all these different folks who don't really have homes and we thought well maybe the lord maybe we could have a network of of these folks somehow and and i was struggling with that and i brought it up to you and you just have you just said well jeff that's pretty simple why don't you just do separate together and it just was a thought bomb i don't know what happened but it just kind of blew up in my head and I thought, that's great. And I started bouncing at it off of them and saying, you know what? Let's do separate together. And they love the idea because it's we're not, I'm not saying come under my umbrella. I'm saying let's let's be together. Let's unite, like Jesus said, and 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 we can do mission together. We can do lots of things. Um, but we still have our ministries, we still have our house churches, we still have our stuff. And we think that that's getting traction because they're hungry we can provide so we're starting what we're calling unite institute where we'll provide training and stuff that will help all the ministries that want to avail themselves of it um without you know making them us and um so we have all that stuff going on and uh i'm excited about it that's cool i'm excited about it it's it's wonderful hearing it watching you kind of you, you did go through kind of a dark valley there for a little while, and, and here yeah, you are yeah. at the other end of it. And, I'm happy to uh, talk about that, too. <laughs> but but I think that there's some lessons in, that other people need to hear in what you said. One, one of the things is, let's be separate together. I, I talked to a, a, a two different pastors in the last, actually, day before yesterday and yesterday, who are struggling with this whole idea of, uh, the one the one guy they planned a bunch of churches, but they were part of a, a larger network. The net, he used the word reuptake. The network, mm. the, the 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 parenting network wanted to suck the church plants up, and now we control them. You start them, we we run them. Well, that's kind of what happened to us in the 
early days of Hope Chapel, we were part of a, a large organization. And, and if we started a church outside of, you know, out of a maybe a, we have maybe a eight mile radius that we could still control the, the churches. We get out of there, the denomination owns them. They pay a tithe to them, all that kind of stuff. And so this guy is going, we're now a network. We broke from that other group. How to help us to not turn into that to where our granddaughter churches, because in one place they now already go four generations deep, where we're not sucking those up and, and trying to be controlling uh, people. And I think uh, learning what is appropriate and, and what follows the pattern of the New Testament. You don't see Paul naming anything. You don't see Paul uh, organizing anything together in a any anything other than telling Titus go in and, and clean up the mess as I left behind and 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 do so by establishing elders in every city. And I think elders is not like a Southern Baptist elder. Elders is like somebody that's been around a little bit longer than the others. You know, if, I always think of elders and youngers. If you're, if you've been in the Lord for two weeks and your friend has been in in the Lord for t- two days, because you brought him there, well, you're the elder and he's the younger. And and I think if we would kind of get off of our high horse a little bit in terms of institutionalizing everything, we we could do things. But you mentioned the the school of Tyrannus. Paul in the school of Tyrannus is uh, one of the great success stories that often gets overlooked. In, in the book of Acts. It says that all in Asia, uh, everyone in Asia, which doesn't obviously mean every single person, but it means they did a good job, heard the gospel because Paul was meeting in this school. Now, I don't believe he was holding school there, but I do believe he was making disciples in, in a fairly large number of people. And then they were building, they were lighting fires wherever they lived. And that's kind of the model that we tried to, to follow in, in Hopermosa and in, in Kaneohe. We, uh, you know, we, we did see Sunday as a time for equipping and educating. You know, if you, Wayne Cordero told my friend Ed Stetzer, if you went to uh, Hope Chapel on a Sunday morning, you'd just think it looked like any other small megachurch in America. But if you knew what we were doing with the teaching and you could follow it, and by the way, I'm, I'm about ready to put up on the website a bunch of sermons. We we dug up a hard drive with about 700 old <laughs> Word of Hope radio broadcasts, and I'm going to put them out there. Because we tried to, to, to make it, I, I had run into um, Francis Schaefer and Labrie and what was going on in Switzerland uh, early on as a young person. I told my wife, I, I, I think this is where we need to go. We need to to go someplace in the mountains and get a house and, and, and get a bunch of young people together and make disciples. And then yeah. she said, well, why don't you turn the church into that? And so that's what we did. And it really came out to be a school of Tyrannus model that you, we gather in the big thing on the weekend, apostles teaching, and that's what we, we look at. And then we do the heavy lifting in the, in what we called mini church at the time. And, and, and then we're, we're, we're observing people moving into leadership uh, as we're discipling them, and then as we observe them and they they begin to be fruitful, then we're going to launch them out, and that's how we planted churches. I think the issues are all the same. I think if if you're in a small town and you're dealing with thirty people on Sunday morning, that's the big crowd. Uh, you're going to do the heavy lifting in three little groups, and you you could plant from there micro church. And some of the difference comes down to money, the money monster. Uh, if we're going to go launch large and do all of that, 
um, then we need a lot of money. If we're going to start a micro church or a micro church network, everybody has a 40 hour week job. Well, the, the money issue is solved. We, we may need to help out with some hardware. I was talking to a guy, um, I guess it was yesterday, and uh, he's in the upper Midwest and he's, he's pastoring a church that in a town of, of um, 9,000 people, that church had grown to 1,800 people. That's 20% of the community. And when oh. COVID hit, it, there, there was devastation. And so shrink way back. Uh, interesting, uh, some people are still not over COVID in that they're, they're moaning about the losses. Others are, it, it, it dislodged them. One of my favorite um, things to think about is, is, is loose tight priorities that we're really tight about our values. We're really loose about how we incorporate those values. We're, we're going to, we're going to do what fits the context. And so this guy is in a, in a church that is uh, older people, but aggressive older people. And so they shrink back to, to about a quarter of their size and uh, they want to plant churches. They, they realize that just to try to grow big again, isn't really where the Lord has us. And so as he was uh, talking to me, I think we're going to have him on the podcast, but he was telling me, asking me about what do you do in a rural situation? He goes, there's a community near us with 2000 people. There's another one with about almost 4,000 people. Do we start there and how much money do we put into it? And, and how many people do we send to it? But then a, 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 a half hour, 40 minute drive away, there's a pretty big city. And I don't know if I can get people to drive there to, to do the launch large, but that's what I know how to do is the launch large. Should I go to, to that? Or, or, and then he said this, I said something like this, are, are we going to come out looking better if we go there? Or are we going to come looking better if we go to the small place? Well, to me, the field is our wet into harvest. So if the small place is near you, then adapt your thinking and your model so it fits the small place. And and so it, we, I mean, we're down into budget and stuff like this. You need a startup budget to, to do anything. It, you need you need a place to, to meet, either a home or maybe a coffee shop after hours or a bar, you know, on Sunday mornings. Who, who knows what you use, but you adapt to what's there. And in, in terms of budget, if you're going to the town of 2000, the pastor would probably keep his job. So you don't have to worry about that. But you're, you're probably going to need a Zoom account that costs some money. You're going to need a little bit of technical equipment to make things work well. Uh, you might need some printing done. So you just you just modify. But the model still is the same. It's Acts 2. Um, we, we gather for the apostles teaching. And then, and then we, we spread to do the hefty, heavy lifting. And, and it really, I think, the prevailing model church ought to look at itself as, as a house church network anyway. Uh, and, and then we go and what we call microchurch would be autonomous, uh, pretty much house churches, whatever. But I, again, to me, it's, it's that adaptability that has given us freedom over the years to do a whole lot of what we've done. And we're seeing, you know, I'm seeing several guys now coming up that I would call in, in exponential speak, I would call them level five uh, multiplying churches. I'm very excited about it. But but, but part of it is the, the adaptability to get into the little people groups, as well as uh, taking the shine off of how big we are and how good we look on the weekend. The, the, the number that I always looked for the most 
when I was uh, doing performance reviews with pastoral staff is how many mini churches do you, do you have under your care? Are, are you growing new ones? And how many apprentice leaders total are under your care? Not that you're apprenticing them, but the mini church pastor has got apprentices. Because if we don't have apprentices, we won't have mini church pastors. And if we don't have mini church pastors, we won't have church planters. And oh, by the way, if we don't have apprentices, we're probably not doing a very good job in the mini church, which it was like a micro church inside of our church. But to me, again, it, the focus is always on disciples that are making disciples that are making disciples. And and, and if we zero in on that, then everything else kind of shakes out well. I've been preaching a lot here. What do you have to say about all that? And then we'll kind of wind it down. Are you are you calling on everybody to? No, I'm calling on uh, you. I'm calling on oh, you. Okay. Then we'll we'll wrap it from there. Fantastic. I, you know, I think you are so right about that. And what I've seen in in my life and many leaders is our ability to become easily distracted by shiny objects, whether that's, you know, as you said, what's happening on Sunday and however, you know, wonderful or crowded it may or may not be, you know, the traditional ways of measuring our success, but, but the, the, just keeping ourselves glued in to disciple making as our core responsibility and the whole idea, I did a, a 308 page thesis uh, for a master's program that I, I was completely uneducated when I planted the church, but I finally did what you said and went back, went to school and uh, ended up getting a, a master's degree in strategic leadership. And my final project was uh, essentially identifying the core competencies of reproducing leaders. And um, and number one, I interviewed probably 35 successful leaders, and you were one of them. And I, I'm going to put this into a book soon. And the only reason why anybody will read the book is the interviews, because uh, what was communicated by all of these leaders was so pr- powerful. Um, and there are five core competencies and 13 micro skills underneath each of those competencies. But the biggest, most important one was in all those leaders and in you, I think clearly is multiplication focus. It's just that everything about you is, is, is dialed there, is focused there. And I think even what you just said, Ralph, is a clear example of that. When, when you're getting together with your, your staff and saying, you know, how many mini churches do you have under your care? And how many apprentices do those mini churches have? Because that's, that's, that's it. That's where it's at in the, the vision for it, the accountability. But just that focus of, you, you know, you are always scanning the horizon for potential leaders. That's, you know, again, turning the tables like you did. It's just, that's what the Lord has clearly just put in your heart. And, and it, it's so hard to maintain that sometimes when you're maybe a multifaceted, uh, even you know, gifted person, like you would always joke that you were glad you didn't have a musical gift because you could just focus on, on what the Lord has given you. And, and you've done that. Uh, and I think it's still the, the core issue for, for me and for other leaders 
is to just stay fixated, focused on multiplication. Because I think if we stay there, we'll find a way. Yeah. Um, and the function following form idea, you know, that's that's the, the stuff we need to do will fall into place once we identify and stay glued into what it is that the Lord is calling us to do. And then that is to make disciples who make disciples. That's good. I want to wind it down. I, uh, I need to ask you and you can say no to this, but if people wanted to contact you and ask questions, whatever, uh, can you give us a way that the people listening to this could connect with you? Yeah. Two ways would be pastor surf at Gmail, pastor surf at Gmail. And, or my cell phone is 818-960-9447, 818-960-9447. And obviously um, you can see I'm, I'm getting older because I have time. And uh, even though we're planting a church, uh, it'd be, I'd love to, talk to anybody who uh, who would want to so i can learn from them that's good that's good i just want to say thanks for taking the time to do this and uh, i think it's going to bless a lot of people if you enjoyed today's podcast be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmore.net